Today we're going to talk about why jujitsu is the ideal learning environment. So I've been reading a book called Ultra Learning, and part of the thesis of that book is by being very direct in your learning approach, by being focused, by by thinking at a meta level about the map of things you need to learn in order to accomplish something specific, you can learn much more, much faster than you typically do. So in formal education, there's a huge transfer problem. So people who take high school psychology, for example, do the same or sometimes worse than people who take have not taken high school psychology when they get to college and take college psychology. And for formal education in general, there's a, a widespread phenomenon where people will um, finish a class and then just like forget everything, right? R- like cram for the test, take the test, and then forget everything. So the problem of transfer is a huge problem. And ultra learning posits that by taking a more frustrating, more challenging, but more direct approach, you are able to learn a lot faster and a lot more effectively and learn in a much more transferable way. So the the um, reason why jiu-jitsu ties into this and is a great case study for the ultra-learning approach, at least in part, is in your typical jiu-jitsu class, you come in, you warm up, and your warm-ups are usually isolated segments of movements that you're going to use in sparring. Then you do drills, you you practice a move, or a move in a counter move, or a, a part of a move, and you drill that for half the time, and then you spar for half the time. That's how our classes run. And the sparring is like, it is why you're there. It's to learn how to fight, right? So it's, 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 it's relatively unconstrained, it's direct, it's complex it's it it encompasses the full range of possibilities of the sport of jiu-jitsu um and there's no better way to learn something than to just get in and do it like that in fact there is no way to learn jiu-jitsu without sparring you can read all the theory in the world and you can you know do all the drills in the world but if you don't spar you're not going to learn jiu-jitsu and and to illustrate the difference between this and traditional education, in a four-year degree, let's say you're taking a business degree, most people in those four years will not have actually started a business and brought a product to market. So it's just interesting to wrap your head around that. I mean, some schools will have these like startup garage programs, but usually what those programs culminate in is like a pitch. Like you create a prototype maybe, maybe, and you create a pitch deck and you pitch to pitch to uh, pseudo investors or in some cases if it's a startup competition, real investors. But there aren't, there aren't that many business programs, for example, where the first thing you do is you launch a product and then you spend four years learning everything in the context of that product that you've launched. Um, and for that reason, ultimately, like a lot of these programs are ineffectual. Or like another example of education done well would be something like medical education, right? You learn some theory, but then you go and apply it in a concrete way. Um, 
like you go to your internship, you go to your residency, and it's very like practical. You're, you're learning by doing the thing you're, you're going to do, but you also have theory layered in and you go back and forth, right? You practice drills, like you'll practice doing a certain uh, sub-procedure or a certain procedure that's part of a more complicated procedure. You'll, you'll practice teaching that sub-procedure. So there are, there are pockets of the education system that work a lot better in this regard, but most of them don't really work that well. And, and few of them look like good martial arts training. And I'm most familiar with jujitsu, so for me I'll use that example, but for boxing too, like, or, or wrestling, or judo, um, in all of these cases, there's this iterative cycle between practicing the real thing, namely sparring, uh, and isolating portions of that thing and drilling so you can hone in on the rate limiting step, the thing that's like slowing you down, the thing that's compromising your game in a sequence of different actions, and unlock, you know, more power in your game by eliminating or reducing the influence of that rate limited, limiting step. So what about more theoretical subjects? Like what about, you know, um, psychology, right? Well, I think there it depends on why you're studying psychology. And you may not know that, and that really makes it much harder for you to, to perform this kind of work. Um, so if you're practicing psychology, if you're, if you're studying psychology in order to be a therapist, then even as an undergrad, you should be practicing that skill set. You should be volunteering as a crisis counselor. As an undergrad in psychology, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. To be honest, I thought I would be a police officer or be in the FBI. And so for that reason, um, I got certified as an EMT and I volunteered as an EMT and I um, was a uh, crisis counselor as well. And, you know, I did that at a, a collegiate level in relatively mild circumstances. Um, so, you know, that is what it is. But my goal was always to try to get real practice uh, in pursuit of, of that. So, you know, personal, small personal aside, in the process of doing that, what I found is like, you know, shadowing cops, uh, being in that environment, I found that, that policing is generally pretty reactive, and, and so is medicine, frankly, most of medicine, where something bad happens and then you, you react to it to try to address it. Um, so for me, going into software was fun because it's like you're creating things from scratch. You're trying to like solve a problem at scale. You're trying to build something, and you're you're being proactive in that sense. You're you're poking the world and seeing what happens. Whereas um, as an EMT, like I, we'd spend long hours just like waiting, waiting for something bad to happen, and then we'd like rush into rush and respond when it was like kind of too late. Um, but anyway, the point being is that was my attempt to try to bring directness to the work that I was doing. Um, if you're interested in psychology from a product design standpoint, then again, one of the best things you could really do is in your freshman year, create and launch a product and uh, you know learn enough design skills to do that. And then spend four years applying your psychological education to the actual product that you have in the actual market. So even something relatively academic like psychology, I mean, that still applies. And 
for um, physics too, right? Like, I guess if you're trying to do academic physics, like the system of labs and kind of like academic research as an undergraduate and then and then going forward, that is relatively direct for what you're trying to do. So I guess that aspect of things works well. I think in the humanities and social sciences at times, like it's easy for people to become divorced from the subject matter. So for example, I minored in anthropology, but I was able to get through, you know, minoring in anthropology without ever traveling to meet with a culture that's extremely distinct from my own and, and be immersed in that. And I think without that, um, anthropology is a extremely theoretical subject that lacks a, a, a foundation in, in practical reality. Um, and the irony, of course, with that is like anthropology should be one of the most practical of subjects. I mean, we, we live embedded in this complex social world um, and we're, we're constantly like existing in, in the substrate of culture, right? But um, yeah, you just, without, uh, without a thoughtful merger of theory and practice, you're unable to really like leverage that in the way that you could. And, and there are opportunities to, uh, to do so, but for me, my experience with anthropology was um, pretty much like alcoholics. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Pretty much it was like um, alcoholic professors talking about their ex-wives and just getting into like overly convoluted um, arguments about like symbolism and um the nature of society and it was it was very like um rarefied and like you know needlessly convoluted and, and disconnected from reality um as far as social science like when i graduated and i was working as a software designer i took night classes at northwestern and one of those classes was in economics and I thought that was a really, really interesting subject. And, and that would be an interesting arena to think about this idea of merging theory and practice. Because in some cases, like these economic concepts apply at a scale where you can't really like practically apply them to, to practice, you know? Um, but I guess if you, if you look at something like price elasticity, right? You actually can apply that by having a product in the marketplace where you modify the pricing and see how the demand changes and therefore optimize the pricing, right? Or like a concept like like price discrimination, the idea that different groups of people are willing to pay different amounts for a product. So when you look at a theater, right? When you have a military discount, a student discount, that's not like out of the goodness of their hearts, though I'm sure that's part of it. It's because students and active duty military folks might not be willing to pay as much for that type of entertainment. They might be busy, they might have less financial resources, and therefore you can grab a larger uh, portion of that segment by 
you know, m modifying your price. So there are venues where you can apply um, a lot of that stuff. But what I loved about economics compared to anthropology was just how like strangely predictive it is and how um, how how much of a good job it does of describing the world as we see it. And I, traditional economics has gotten a lot of uh, critique from the field of behavioral economics, which obviously we are pretty familiar with. Um, since we're using a lot of behavioral economics derived nudges and techniques in our app to try to help you read more, um, if you so choose. But the reality of the matter is traditional economics still does a really good job of predicting consumer behavior, um, even without the infusion of, of behavioral economics like into it. Um, yeah. So it's 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 an interesting subject. It's a great subject, and there's scope to to apply something like that too. But thinking about jujitsu, different jujitsu schools are different. Um, I think that some schools do a better job of creating a map of the different potential things you could learn, and other schools like don't do as good of a job of that. So. My experience at my, my first jiu-jitsu school was like, there's no fundamentals class. Um, and they just kind of like throw you in into the pit and you just get crushed. And also like, if you're smart, you're gonna look go online and look up like jiu-jitsu etiquette, right? So you're gonna be like, okay, as a white belt, if I wanna be a part of this community, like how, do, how should I operate to not just be like a piece of shit? But if you're not smart, and I wasn't smart at that point, you won't do that. And you're going to kind of like rely on the environment to like teach you those things. And if you're thick-headed, you're not going to like learn. So like one super white belt thing is just to like go super hard on like every roll without having any idea of technique and stuff. And that's why people are like afraid to roll with white belts because like it's, you know, kind of increases your injury risk. You don't know what they're going to do. They might do something that's not going to help them like tap you out and win the roll. But will still hurt you. Um, so yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, that was my first experience of just like going in, going super hard, and just like getting destroyed constantly, which was still like fun um, because it's still just fun to like be there and like scrap around. Um, but definitely, it did not that that school did not do a good job of providing me with like a map of the the learning path and it's, it's not really their job to do that it's their job to provide you with a safe environment to train and give you like specific guidance and teach you the curriculum that they think is going to be most useful you know from their experience perspective so it's really your job to go and figure out that map of things you need to learn so going back to like whatever psychology or software design or programming or whatever else in ultra learning you know scott young one of the things he does is he learns the entire MIT computer science curriculum, a version of that in one year. And the way he does that is he looks up all the courses, goes on MIT OpenCourseWare and gets all the exams. And basically he, he makes it his mission to like do well on all of the exams in all of those courses. And he uses that as a barometer of like he's understood the material sufficiently. 
So by doing that and starting with the end in mind, he's able to kind of like cut out a lot of fluff and waste a lot less time. So one observation that he makes is like folks who go on these open courses often complain about not having enough lectures, but almost none of them complain about not having enough problem sets, which to him is the problem. No pun intended. Um, Basically, his thought is like, it's not the lectures that help you get transferable knowledge out of this. It's doing the problem sets and actually like engaging with the material, even though that's frustrating and, you know, not as, um, just not as easeful, not as relaxed. Ultimately, that's what gets you transferable knowledge. So that was my, my first jiu-jitsu school I went to. The second one I went to had a good fundamentals program, which helped a lot. Um, but then COVID hit, so I had to stop going for a while. And then this school I'm going to now, they don't have a fundamentals program, but I just like love it. And it's fine, because again, it's not their job to spoon feed me. And in fact, they do spoon feed me a lot. They help me out constantly. But it's my job to kind of try to think critically about what I need to learn. Um, and then bring that to them and, and iterate with them. So that's what I did this time is like, I made like a, a 46 week plan of things that I could learn. And I took it to my instructor and I was like, hey, here are the here are the topics that I think will help me. And then each week we just, we talk and we're like, based on what he's seeing, when I'm sparring and stuff, he's like, I do think this is what you need to learn. Or I think here's something else that would actually be better to learn. Um, and I usually defer to his expertise on that. Um, but I, I've come in with a plan and a point of view. Um, so it's a little different if you're working with a teacher and you have to like think critically about how you want to leverage their talent and expertise. But yeah, the jujitsu paradigm of like practice the skill in its entirety, full contact, full speed, and then break down a portion of that skill to like drill and isolate, then practice the skill full speed again, that methodology of learning is one of the most effective ways to like derive transferable knowledge from something. So I guess what I'm saying is if you guys are trying to like, you know, write books, like write something, put it out there, gauge the response or solicit, you know, critical feedback, see, find a pattern in the things you're doing wrong and then isolate the portions of it that you're um, that you're you're not as good at and practice that. So Benjamin Franklin, what he would do, and again this is from Ultra Learning, this example is he would he loved the Spectator, which is still a pretty great magazine, um, still around. But basically, he would um, read an essay from the Spectator, take notes on the essay, and then he'd later like look at his notes and try to reconstruct the flow of ideas in the essay from scratch so by doing that he'd kind of get really good at and then he'd compare his flow of ideas with the actual flow of ideas in the essay <clears throat> so by doing that he can kind of like compare his results to like the what he considered to be a really high standard and iteratively improve and hone in on that so that's an example of something as i'm not gonna say abstract but something as um broad as writing how you can break that down into like a drill 
Or another example for copywriting is there's this website called 25 Headlines and you're able to go and like, you know, challenge yourself to write 25 different headlines for a given blog post, for a social media post, for whatever it may be, for a podcast. Um, and it gives you feedback on like whether you're in a character range that's like too too long. Um, and so, you know, you can kind of hone in the skill of like being concise and being focused and precise with your writing. So another example of how you can do that is with the written word. With podcasting, honestly, I should come up with some drills for podcasting because this, um, yeah, this has been like kind of a great way to connect with people and to consolidate our thoughts and to like just think a little more deeply. So I think for podcasting, one thing I'm really bad at is saying um. So I say um a lot, I've noticed. In the times I've painfully listened to myself on these podcasts, I try not to, but once in a while I have to because I'm like, I just want to, you know, make sure, well, there's another tick, right? I say you know a lot. So for me, a good drill would be like, record myself talking for five minutes, five times a day, and don't say um or you know. Like that would be a really basic drill that would help me. Another one would be su practice summarizing a podcast episode in the first 15 seconds, um, like five times. So for every episode, I record five 15 second intros and just practice like boiling down what the episode is about to a short um, blurb. So that would be another another thing I could practice. So there, there's like, you know, two examples there. Oh, and I said it again. There you go. It's like a it's like a problem. It's like saying, you know, putting my head on the outside for single leg takedowns. Saying, hmm, when I get caught in sparring and I'm not sure what to do next. Like these are like my psychological ticks right now that I really need to like stop doing. But one step at a time. So what are other examples? Well, another, another example is like if you if you want to start a business, like you know Ari and I like we we're really interested in entrepreneurship. We really want to like test ourselves and c combine all these skills we've cultivated in their most like impactful form in like creating products and starting a business right so the b-school response like approaches would be like take like you know eight courses or, or seven courses and then take a startup garage course create a pitch deck and a prototype pitch it to investors and basically it's like two years before you've like really done anything Whereas for us, the way we've approached it is like for for less than the price of one business school course, we've launched a business, and and it's had like a lot of challenges, you know, but the things we've learned about the process of learning a business we couldn't have learned any other way. The experience of putting out a first iteration of our product, thinking we understand the use case. And then dog fooding it and, and sharing it with people and getting feedback and realizing actually we're off kilter. Like this doesn't accommodate the core use case. 
doing competitive analysis, seeing the ways in which our competitors are doing things better than us in the context of like some experience with the actual problem, uh, improving that way, like elevating our skills based on the competition. All, all of those things and like carving out time to work on a side business is a meta skill in and of itself, like making forward progress learning about growth, learning about marketing, learning about branding, like all these different things. And obviously applying the skills we've cultivated in product design, user experience, programming, um, but in a coherent like arena of like putting out a product is um, ultimately I think a better way to learn than just learning in theory and then after two years of just passively absorbing absorbing information, putting together a presentation, you know, for those for that entire two year period, you could have been learning the real skill, and I think that's one of the big issues with learning something like entrepreneurship is like it's very much a contact sport. I feel and something you have to learn by doing, and. That has its frustrations, but ultimately it's more rewarding and it's also a barrier for people to do it. Like one thing that I've felt this weekend, again, that I feel all the time um, is the sheer hassle and frustration of having a business is a barrier to like most people even doing it. Like forget making a successful product, forget like doing anything, literally just like managing the filings, doing the taxes carving out the time, you know, looking at the like shitty thing you've created and like being embarrassed and like trying to make it less shitty. Like that process alone, before you've even gotten to something like decent, would keep like 90 plus percent of people out of it. But then once you do get to something decent, like our, our last iteration of our app is the best one so far and it's starting to really look like it, it could be something we could be proud of, something that could really address the problem and really like support people uh, in taking back their attention and like reading more in this like low attention span world where you're being pulled in different directions by these giant tech companies and, you know, yellow journalists who are trying to grab your attention with nonsense. So yeah, I think it's 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 worth it, but it's it's definitely like challenging. Um, yeah, in many ways similar to jujitsu because jujitsu too like is extremely rewarding and a great vehicle for growth, but is extremely hard, and for some people is extremely frustrating. I don't find it that frustrating, and the reason why not is I know that it's a really like deep skill set. And like, I don't expect to be good without having put in the time or without having the knowledge. So it's not like, it doesn't hurt my feelings if I get beat by someone who's like been doing it longer, is, you know, in better shape and knows more stuff than me. Like, that's not like a surprise to me. I'm just happy that they're like here to help me learn and support me and like, you know, give me the opposition that I need to like grow. Um, and often give me the advice that I need and like, you know, uh, look out for my safety and well-being. Um, so, 
Yeah, like I, I don't find it that frustrating, but I can see how someone could find it, find it frustrating. Like if you have an ego about it or you, you expect that you're going to do well, I think that it can be an extremely brutal journey because you're not going to for a long, long time. But when you do, it's like amazing. Uh, and by the way, minor jujitsu etiquette thing, just for anyone who is interested in jujitsu, don't celebrate when you do tap people out because it's just like bad form. Um, yeah, but this is a good reminder as far as like the business too, where like we should also, I should also make sure I'm taking like a really low ego um, and grounded approach to the business and understand that like we're new to this stuff, we're learning it and like we should just be humble and do our best and just be grateful that we have the opportunity to like learn about it and try to put something good out there and try to add some value. Like the opportunity itself is something that like, you know, most people don't have, many people don't have. So, you know, yeah, just some, some gratitude and putting in the work and trying to learn directly, um, iterating through cycles of learning directly and drilling and narrowing down on the pieces that aren't working for us, um, I think that's that's a great path to success. And that's why I think jiu-jitsu is a great exemplar for the ideal way of learning something. So I hope today's somewhat rambling uh, episode was helpful for you. I hope you got something out of it. Uh, I'll talk more about ultra learning in, in detail at some point, but we really need to get this Thucydides episode in. It's It's extremely relevant right now the Peloponnesian War was you know a a reasonable equivalent to a world war for the ancient world it was definitely a Hellenic world war uh, and also involved Persia um, and Sicily and it, it just has tons of parallels it's it's a, a, a sea power versus land power. It's an energetic democracy versus a slow-moving, disciplined oligarchy slash dictatorship. It's, you know, um, ambitious demagogues coming to power and capitalizing on crises to, like, sell people on plans that sound good but ultimately aren't. It's... It's the peace being shattered or pushed away by you know, optics, and by the desire to win political points. It's social elites coming together and trading freedom for stability, selling out their people to the other side. It, it, it's, it's, it's got so much that's just crucial for, for what we're observing out there today, you know? And it's also the fundamental, it also tries to answer the fundamental question of why nations go to war. Um, it's great insights on leadership, great insights on strategy, on net assessment, on what what breaks effective strategy. You know, why why are some people able to strategize effectively, and why are others not? Um, yeah, so it's 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 gonna be a good episode that's coming up this weekend. And yeah, the app is, is is headed in a really good direction. Unfortunately, with both of us working full-time, with us doing this, with us trying to stay healthy and hang out with our 
our partners and you know work out and do all this different stuff it's it's um it's not gonna it's not gonna fly out there but it's in test flight we've been dog fooding it the next iteration is looking really really good it's a massive improvement it's something that we could actually like use and that would be helpful um and yeah we're really excited to, to share that with you guys um and honestly i should really go and freaking get ready for for work over here but good luck and um godspeed goodbye